Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. Once again, I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. I hope and pray that everyone who is listening is healthy and being safe. You know, with the vaccine approved by the FDA here in the United States, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So just keep wearing your masks, keep social distancing, don't have any big gatherings for just a little bit longer. We can do it, guys, so just hang in there. Now, today is the third day of Advent, so I encourage you to get your elements for communion, either bread or crackers or juice or wine, and also get a candle, three if you have them. If you have three, go ahead and light the first two. Please feel free to pause this broadcast while you get what you need. Now, let us worship our amazing God, our God who made the good news of Christmas possible. Let us worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us begin by lighting our Advent wreath. We light the third candle of Advent, and we look to John, the one you sent to point us to your light. The light will come into our world and enlighten everyone. God sent John the baptizer to prepare the people for the coming of Jesus Christ, the true light of the world. John called for people to repent of their sins and to live faithfully. He baptized with a cleansing water and proclaimed the new life that Christ, the one who would follow him, would bring. This Advent, we ask for God's mercy and a joyful new beginning. Let us pray. Merciful God, we give thanks to you. Thanks that you send messengers like John to call us to greater faith. We ask that in these days we prepare for you in the prayer and acts of holy compassion. Forgive us and lead us to your light. Amen. Sing with me now our hymn of praise, which you can find in your Friday Reminders email. Let's sing as with gladness. As with gladness ages bold Did the guiding star behold As with joy they hailed its light Leading onward, beaming bright So true morning star may we they sped to that lowly manger bed there to bend the knee before one whom heaven and earth adore so may we with willing feet ever seek your mercy Oh 
Our scripture today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice, hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As has been the case for the last couple of weeks, our sermons are the live recordings from the drive-in church worship service on Sunday afternoons. So you will hear background sounds, wind and um, cars driving by and things like that. If at any point you think that this isn't working and you would like me to record in studio, please give me a call or contact me on on the um, on Anchor. You can write me or call me in on on the podcast app. So um, I hope that this sermon reaches you. I hope that it speaks to you and uh, let me know if you are not satisfied with this, with the style of the recording. Thank you. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight my strength and my redeemer. Amen.
Now, many of you may have heard this, that Jesus was and is the Messiah, the Messiah of Israel and all of creation. But what does that really mean? You know, we call him the Messiah all the time. All of our music and everything uses these words, the Messiah. But what is a Messiah supposed to be? Well, a Messiah is a protector. A Messiah is a liberator. He's a redeemer, a rescuer, a deliverer, a savior, a guardian angel, a leader, a champion, and an emancipator. To emancipate someone means that you you free them, you untie them, unshackle them, and you let them go. And that's what Jesus is. He is our emancipator, our Messiah. He came to unshackle us from the bondage of sin. And that is why he was born. That is why we celebrate this season that we celebrate now. Our scripture today was one of many Old Testament prophecies that described what the coming of the Messiah would be like. And then in Luke, in the New Testament, Luke 4, 16 through 21, Jesus read our text today to his hometown congregation. And after he was done reading it, he said, this right here, I'm it. It goes like this. Luke says, when Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In this moment, right here in Luke, Jesus claims to be the king, the priest, the prophet the Messiah, all in one. He claims to be the one sent by God to free Israel from bondage. And he says that a permanent jubilee is upon them because of him. Now, jubilee was a practice that came from Leviticus. If you go back and read it, you will see telling the Jewish people to free the slaves, return property to its original owner, to forgive debts, to return to their families and spend the year relaxing, celebrating, and rejoicing. This was supposed to happen after every 49 years, the year of the Lord's favor. A jubilee year was a -a once-in-a-lifetime event that the Jewish people celebrated right up until the Babylonian exile, which was about five, maybe 600 years prior to this moment when Jesus reads this scripture in his synagogue. So for Jesus to to declare the year of the Lord's favor was amazing in and of itself because they had not celebrated such a thing in almost 600 years. 
But by reading from the text and by saying it was fulfilled as he read it, he was also saying that he was there to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to bring sight to the blind and release to the prisoners. He was saying that his presence, his presence in the world was good news to every person who suffered in any way. This is what kind of a savior he was. This is what kind of a savior he would be. Imagine if someone walked up to a microphone on the evening news tonight and said these things. How would it make you feel? Well, if I, by some miraculous way, knew without a doubt that that person was capable of following through with his or her promises, I'd be ecstatic. I'd be relieved. I'd weep with joy. And I would stand in the streets and scream in celebration. Well, his people, his neighbors and childhood friends and his rabbis and his mentors and his parents' friends, they only knew him as Jesus, Mary and Joseph's oldest boy, right? They had no way of knowing how true Jesus' statements that day were, and they didn't know that he was in any way capable of keeping such a promise. The fact is, until his traumatic death and miraculous resurrection, no one really would understand. Some Christian scholars interpret the Isaiah text as being a two-part prophecy of the coming Messiah. The first phase includes the birth, life, death, and resurrection. That's the time we're living in now. The birth, the death, the resurrection. This is the time of spiritual salvation. And this, the symbolic, this is the time of spiritual salvation and symbolic healing. The blind are the people who do not know God. And Jesus will open their eyes and give them the ability to see things as God wants them to see them. This is the time when we are redeemed in the eyes of the Lord, when we are forgiven of our sins, released from the bondage of, that our sins create. And when we are allowed to walk in right relationship with God once and for all. This is the good news of Advent, the good news of Christmas. We are celebrating the spiritual jubilee that we dwell in every day. And the second part of the prophecy is about the second coming of Christ. At this time, the justice will be more than physical. It will be literal. This time, Jesus will come back and literally free all of the people who were unjustly imprisoned. He will literally let the slaves go free, and he will literally do what needs to be done to make things right in this world once and for all. This is a time in the future, the near future or the distant future we don't know. But until then, every person has the opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior and to live out their love for him by loving God and loving their neighbors as themselves. 
Today we are 11 days away from Christmas. Can you believe it? I think it might be hard for us to truly wrap our minds around the significance of Christmas in our world as it is today. For one thing, we already have the salvation that the Christ child brought into the world. It's already here. We've had it for as long as we can remember. We are living in the hope and joy and love and peace of Christ right now. So the anticipation might seem a little dulled compared to the folks who were celebrating Christ's birth in real time, right? The choirs of angels have come and gone, so it's easy to forget how amazing that day is. The other thing that keeps our minds from focusing on the good news of this Advent season is all of the commercial hype that our world has built up around Christmas. It truly is a magical time, what with all of the lights and the decorations and the gifts and the food and the music and so forth. But those things can also distract us, distract us from experiencing the true joy of the season. E.B. White said, to perceive Christmas through its wrappings becomes more difficult with every year. And he is absolutely right. So we have to make a real effort to see beyond the sparkly lights, the shopping lists, and the to-do lists, to get into the mindset that can truly experience the euphoria caused by the good news of Christmas. And what is that good news again? The good news is this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, meaning a crown or a tiara we wear during celebration instead of the ashes that are poured on our heads when we mourn the oil of gladness instead of mourning. At that time, when you went to a, a party that turned into a major celebration, anointing oil would be poured on all of the guests' heads. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I think that this year, for most of us, this scripture should be more encouraging than ever before in our lives, maybe. This year, we have been held captive by a virus running rampant throughout our world. This year, when people have been crying out and marching in the streets against oppression. This year, when mourners number in the millions. This year, when buildings, forests, and more have been devastated by insane weather made all the worse by human error. This Christmas, we celebrate the day when hope was born into the world. When the bridge between us and God took its first breath. And when the hope of the second coming became a reality. 
This morning, I was reading the news and was disheartened to see that chaos ensued in our nation's capital last night. Apparently, the protesters of the election results, the supporters of our current president, gathered in mass yesterday. They were prominently led by a group called the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are a group of white men who are both proudly misogynists and proudly white supremacists. You might remember that Donald Trump gave them an encouraging shout out during the first presidential debate this year in September. Well, they showed up in DC to protest with bulletproof vests and knives. As the sun began to go down and as they consumed more and more alcohol, these boys tried to make their way to other groups like the Black Lives Matter group in order to cause trouble with them. Luckily, the police were extremely efficient in blocking them as they tried one route after another down alleys and side streets, trying to get around the police blockades to attack the groups who opposed them. And even more disheartening is the fact that all day, the president praised them for their support for his cause. Sometime last night, though, the fights did end up breaking out and people were stabbed, possibly fatally. We don't know who and we don't know the circumstances, but it is awful nonetheless. It's sickening that after all this time, we still live in a world where these things happen, isn't it? With everything we know, with everything we know about God, about God's love, about everything we know about humanity and about justice, it is heartbreaking that human beings are still behaving this way. And yet the good news of Advent is that God is with us now and Christ will return again soon. And when he does, evil will be destroyed good will prevail, and the oppressed will be set free once and for all. This is the good news of Advent. Now, I don't know about you, but knowing that Christ will deal with the creators of chaos in the most just way keeps me from becoming despondent in the face of such news. The birth of the Christ child is the moment when everything changed for the world, right? It's the moment hope became a thing you could hold in your hands and in your heart. It's the moment God sunk himself into our flesh, as Martin Luther said, and walked among us in a way that God had never done before. As we all know too well, evil did not stop that day, did it? Evil hasn't stopped, not yet anyway. But the promise of the destruction of evil was born. And it is in that promise that we live today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Revel in the good news of Advent, everyone. We anticipate the celebration 
of the day peace was born into the world. And at the same time, we look forward to the day when all will be made right once and for all. Amen. Amen. century German theologian described Jesus as the bridge between God and us. He said that before Jesus there was this great uncrossable chasm between God and humanity, a chasm caused by sin. But God chose to come to us in the form of Christ Jesus, and in the birth, the death, and the resurrection, a bridge was built so that we could finally connect to one another. Today, we celebrate the construction of that bridge. We celebrate the fact that God loves us so much, and we celebrate the fact that in Christ, we are set free from the oppression and bondage of this world. As you come to the table today, give thanks for God's sacrificial love and know that in Christ Jesus, you are truly free. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Loving God, as we joyfully anticipate the birth of the Christ child, we come to you with humble gratitude. Thank you for being so faithful to your creation, even when we are not faithful to you. Forgive us for our sins, O God, and wash us clean. Help us to turn away from the things that take us from you 
and help us to be there for you and for our fellow human beings. Bless this bread and this cup to the nourishment of our souls and help us to never forget who you are and what you have done for us. Amen. Now come, take and eat the body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Let us sing in celebration our communion hymn. Let us break bread together on our knees. Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ, Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. As you go from this place, dwell in the good news of Advent. Know that Christ is coming and be comforted. And as we go... Let us sing our hymn of sending forth, There's a Song in the Air.
There's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky, there's a mother's deep prayer, and a baby's low cry, and the star rains its fire while the angel choir sing for the They bring and we greet in the cradle our Savior.